This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the seventh day of April 2021. Going to be a beautiful day here in the Northeast. Temperature supposed to be close to 70 degrees today. Um, I, I was tossed and turned about whether to do the show or not. It's kind of quiet right now, but I am in the middle of a construction zone. My next-door neighbor has decided that today was the day to to redo their driveway. So we had a construction crew outside the house at 7 o'clock this morning tearing up asphalt uh, literally a uh, uh, you know eight feet away from my house. So so it's a little noisy outside, but uh, we are going to, uh, to plot along with this. My, my wife Barbara has a day off today. She was not thrilled, I'm sure, at having uh, been rudely woken up uh, by the construction crew this morning. I was already up, fortunately, but... Uh, <laughs> One of the joys of uh, living in the city and, and uh, one of the other reasons why we cannot wait to uh, relocate to North Carolina at the end of the year. All right, um, before we get to the fantastic finish in the Red Sox game last night, and you, as you can imagine, I was uh, rather jazzed about that. A great comeback win for the Red Sox. Uh, got a few other things to talk about. Uh, we'll start this morning with, uh, look, this uh, thing with Deshaun Watson is very disturbing what's been going on down in Houston. The Houston quarterback who has now been accused of 22 different, by 22 different massage therapists of uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment. Um, One of the women actually came forward yesterday and publicly identified herself. I'm not going to give her name here because there's no point to it. Uh, the AP did that. Like they said, she self-identified. So they, uh, uh, they used her name in the story, but, uh, she just basically said, look, I'm coming forward so that he doesn't assault anybody else. Um, you know, he said, I'm, I'm seeking justice, not for on behalf of myself, but for all survivors. The problem with this is, is it's a civil lawsuit. Now the Houston police department finally is, uh, in, in investigating one particular complaint that was filed by one woman of the 22, but the rest of these are all civil cases. It's just about, you know, money, but this is, here's the thing. And, and, you know, I've read a lot of stories about this and, and a lot of athletes say, Hey, look, I am very careful about who I get massages from. You know, if I find one or two that are good, you know, and massage is a big part of professional sports. There's a lot of, you know, they put their bodies to an awful lot. So they find one or two people to to do this well by all accounts Deshaun Watson has gone through 50 or 60 of them which (laughs) makes you wonder what you know I mean why why would you do that well you know it uh, you would have to my first guess would be well you know he does something bad to one he figures you better move on because it could get ugly uh (laughs) the fact that it went as long as it did you know if this stuff is true 
And, you know, his lawyer is still claiming, oh, you know, it's all made up. It's all about money. Look, 22 women. 22 women. So uh, she has publicly come forward and uh, she said, look, I, you know, I got into massage therapy to heal people, you know, their minds and their bodies to bring peace into their souls. And, you know, Deshaun Watson's robbed me of that. Well, that's a little, you know, a little flowery language, but I get it. You know, and that's the other thing for here, folks, the, these massage therapists, these are not people from, from some Asian massage parlor that got, gets busted for prostitution. Like what happened down in Florida uh, with Robert Kraft. Th- these are women that are licensed massage therapists. Uh, and it's 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 basically a kind of a medical massage thing. This is not about, uh, you know, a happy ending. Although, obviously, Deshaun Watson apparently apparently seemed to have trouble figuring that out. Uh, there's so much to this story, by the way, that Nike today, this morning, has suspended their endorsement deal with Deshaun Watson. I'm surprised it took as long as it did. Uh, they suspended it. They didn't just cancel it because, again, in this country, it's innocent until proven guilty. Um, but 22 different women, he's going to have a hard time with this. Uh, it just gets uglier and uglier. Uh, and the Texans, look, the, the Texans are already a dumpster fire as a franchise, but it's got to the point now where their their owner, Cal McNair, the family owns the team, had to send a letter to season ticket holders yesterday, say, look, you know, we, we understand what's going on. We're aware of it. And we take it very seriously, you know, and he said, while we wait for the conclusion of the investigation, you know, we're going to, you know, just just know that we're, we're, you know, if this is true, you know, we're 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 going to, you know, we're going to deal with it and we're troubled by it. Well, good. You know, I, you know, here's the thing again, you know, Deshaun Watson already wanted out of Houston. Houston said they weren't going to let him go. Now it may be out of their hands. You know, he he might be going, but he might not be going to another team because if you if the Houston Police Department digs into this and it looks like they are, at least for one case now, uh, he could be doing more than, uh, you know, <laughs> moving locations to a different NFL city. It could be uh, moving locations uh, behind bars. So uh, stay tuned. But it's just, you know, this thing, this ain't going away. And it's getting the women now seem to be. Uh, with all the support that has been shown and all the disgust that has been shown behind these allegations, I think that you might see more and more women coming forward. Basically, uh, I don't want to say they're emboldened, but I think they might feel like, hey, you know, I was just trying to do my job and this guy's, you know, waving his, his unit in my face or rubbing it against me or, you know, one woman supposedly he forced her to do, you know, oral sex. I mean, you know, seriously, you know, uh, so, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, they were all out for a drink and they got drunk and, you know, it was a he said, she said, this is, you know, this is real serious stuff. So it, it just it's not getting any better uh, down in Houston. Um, switching gears completely, <laughs> coming back here to the state of Connecticut, some news out of uh, UConn yesterday um, for both the men's and the women's basketball teams. Uh, Anna Makarot, who came to UConn a couple of years ago from Poland and was a big part of the team as a freshman, started a lot of games. Uh, she was starting this year until she suffered a stress fracture in her right leg. Nika Mule kind of took her spot when she came back. She was really out of the rotation. And she looked at the fact that with the recruiting class they have coming in next year, uh, they've got a couple of guards and Azzy Fudd and, and Caroline Ducharme coming in. 
uh, as well as having Sailor Poffenberger there already, there's not going to be any minutes there for Makarov. I think she saw the the handwriting on the wall. Uh, and, you know, you've already got Kristen Williams, Paige Beckers, uh, and Mule, as well as these freshmen coming, and she was like, I'm not going to play. So she is transferring. And, you know, this is uh, good for her. This is the right move for her. If you want to play, you know, she came to the United States to go to college, and if you want to play, um, you know, this is this is the move for her. Um, so, so good for her. And, uh, uh, look, she gave UConn everything she had. And, and matter of fact, uh, Gino Ariema pointed out yesterday uh, when announcing that she was transferring that when they were playing Baylor in the Elite Eight and they were down, you know, by 12 points in the third quarter, that it was Anna Makarat in a huddle at a timeout that yelled at the team and told them that they, she said, you guys need to change the look on your face. He said, and she did it in English. He said, I didn't even know she knew what to say. But he said, I turned around and said, even she knows it. You know, and so she stepped up, and it was, of course, after that, all is, uh, you know, the rest of it is history. And she actually got involved, did a hit a big shot in that one. And uh, so, you know, uh, you don't, you can't blame her. Absolutely can't. Uh, on the men's side, Isaiah Whaley, uh, who is going to graduate with his degree in May, has announced that he is going to come back for another year. He was the Big East co-defensive player of the year this year. Uh, averaged eight points, six rebounds, and almost three blocks a game. Uh, is going to come back as a graduate student. Uh, he does not count against the number of scholarships that UConn's eligible to have because of the uh, the coronavirus. Everybody got an extra year of eligibility, so it will not count against the, the scholarship count for the Huskies. Uh, this is going to be huge because they're going to have a lot of young players, and Whaley was a – he started every game last year, and he is going to be a very valuable member of this team next year. I know that uh, – uh, that Danny Hurley is thrilled to have him back just because this kid works his ass off. So, uh, so Whaley is coming back to UConn. That's, that is definitely a good thing. Uh, one other note before we get to, uh, uh, to baseball, this is horrible. University of Massachusetts participating in the frozen four this weekend, the final four for college hockey. Uh, and they're taking on the defending national champion, Minnesota Duluth team, uh, tomorrow at nine o'clock, they are going to be without four of their players, including their starting goalie, their leading scorer, and one of their backup goalies. I mean, that's just awful. Uh, Philip Lindbergh was nine, one and four this season in net, and he is not going to be eligible because of contact tracing protocols and school policies dealing with the whole COVID-19 thing. So four guys are going to be uh, without Carson uh, Geisowitz, who was their leading scorer at 17 goals this year. Can't play. So, uh, you know, UMass had a hell of a year, 18, five and four. And now they go into the frozen four with uh, one arm tied behind their back because of COVID, you know, and obviously just, just awful. I mean, it, it's it's what we live with in this day and age. But good lord, uh, I feel bad for those guys. I'm still going to watch the game, uh, but it's it's certainly going to uh, to make it difficult. But who knows? They've got a a senior um, a senior backup goalie, Matt Murray, uh, who was nine and four this year and is at a, at a two point oh one goals against average, which is not horrible. Uh, here's the problem: he hasn't appeared in a game since January eighteenth. 
January 18th. So he essentially hasn't played in three months. And now and then they're going to say, hey, it's Minnesota Duluth. Good luck. <laughs> hey, win one for us, will you? And look, you know, who knows? Maybe the kid stands on his head. That's one of the things about hockey that you love. If this kid goes out there, stands on his head, you know, doesn't allow any goals, and, you know, UMass manages to squeak one out, they, they could win the game. You know, that's where not having your starting goalie really hurts. But, hey, maybe this kid, he's a senior. Maybe it's his – It's his. could be his one shining moment, you know, like that song they play for the uh, uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. So, uh, you know, I hope I hope for his sake it is because uh, it, it, I feel bad for UMass. Ah, and the construction is really picking up outside again. It's wonderful. Um, all right, let's get to the Red Sox game last night. The Red Sox – he knew they were going to be in trouble last night, or at least, you know, you thought they were going to be. Tyler Glass now, who was the ace of this Tampa staff, who went out the first uh, game and threw six shutout innings, and he was great yesterday. The Red Sox managed to scrape a run off of him in the first inning thanks to a uh, a double down the line by uh, Christian Arroyo uh, and then a wild pitch. And so they had a one nothing lead. Martin Perez looked great for two innings. I think he got through the first inning in 11 pitches. Got in a little trouble in the second inning, but got out of it. Uh, but then Tampa came up with a couple of runs in the third inning, took the 2-1 lead. Glass now was just killing the Red Sox. They couldn't do anything off of them. And so you're like, well, that's what we got. It's going to be one of those nights. And Glass now goes six, strikes out nine guys, gives up four hits, one run. You know, And then over time, we've seen this Tampa bullpen has been dominant. Well, the Red Sox managed to uh, kind of scrape and claw their way back into this one, coming up with a run in the bottom of the eighth, a run in the bottom of the ninth, and uh, they end up tying this thing up and sending it to extra innings. They end up winning it in the 12th. Neither team scored in the 10th. Uh, Matt Barnes came on, did a, a great job. Uh, they get a run in the 11th off of uh, uh, Tanner Houck, Tampa does. Boston ties it up in the bottom of the 11th. Uh, Tampa scores in the top of the 12th. Boston comes up with two in the bottom of the 12th. J.D. Martinez with a double, his second double of the game, and the Red Sox win it 6-5 in 12 innings. Unbelievable. Uh, I thought that, that, uh, you know, I was prepared to go to bed pissed off. (laughs) Uh, you know, you got to give uh, you got to give the Red Sox a lot of credit. And, you know, I saw this. Somebody said this this morning on social media. You know, it's too early to tell whether this Sox team is going to be any good or not. Right. They're two and three now. They've won two in a row. But the one thing that you can say is that we're only five games into this. And you can already say that this Red Sox team is way more exciting and watchable than anything we saw last year. Right. I mean, you know, we they've. Uh, even in the games they lost, with the exception of the Garrett Richards start, they were in every game. You know, and that's the thing you look at here. They're two and three, but the way that they pitched, they could realistically be four and one. You know, a couple of bounces here and there go the right way. You know, maybe things are a little bit different. Um, J.D. Martinez is off to a blistering start, you know, and so much was made about the whole video thing about, you know, He couldn't have it last year. He got it back, and, you know, it was going to make a difference. Well, uh, you know, and I poo-pooed a lot of that. It's like if if it's all about video, dude, you know, 
and, and you know your ability to watch instant video. Uh, what the hell? Well, obviously, maybe there is something to that. He went two for six yesterday, drove in three runs with those two doubles. He's sitting 476. Uh, they've played five games. J.D. Martinez has five doubles and two home runs. He had 16 doubles in 54 games last year. He's already got five doubles in five games this year. So, you know, uh, say what you want, but obviously uh, it's made a difference for him, at least in the early going. So that's great to see. Rafi Devers had his first two hits of the season last night. Thank Jesus. Uh, and Christian Vasquez with a home run in the ninth inning uh, that was uh, he hit to the moon. He hit it out of the ballpark. It went into the parking lot, the parking garage across the street behind the uh, Green Monster. It was a bomb. Um, and they could have, the Red Sox potentially could have won this game in regula- regulation. And J.D. Martinez made a, a blunder of a base running mistake. He drove in a run with a double in the eighth inning he's on second base with nobody out they get the first out and then Rafi Devers hits one it looks like it's going to go in the gap but the outfielder Rosarena gets there makes the catch well here's the problem JD Martinez thought there were two outs not one he took off he was a rounding third base he was halfway to home when the ball came back into the infield so they end up doubling off him off of uh, second base inning over and after the game, he said it was all planned. He said, "I knew that uh, I knew that Vasquez was going to hit the home run in the ninth, so I wasn't worried about it." So, um, now, great win, no question. Two and three, wonderful. Uh, you know, they're they're right in the mix. Um, I want to say this: I was against this new extra inning rule in Major League Baseball because. Well, I'm a well, I'm a traditionalist. There's no question about that. I hate change. All right, so I'll admit that. But I'm actually coming around to the team starting extra innings with a runner on second base. Look, it's something I've saw for years in high school and college softball. Uh, you know, it's something to shorten up games and and you know it it adds a level of excitement to the game. Last night, all right, I mean. Every, every inning starts with a guy on second base, so you're automatically in a jam. Your pitcher's automatically in trouble. The fact that, you know, both teams got out of the 10th with nobody scoring, minor miracle. But then, you know, you have an option. Do you play small ball? Do you know, because it's a guy on second, nobody out. Do you try to butt him to third? What do you do? You know, and we saw different tactics in the 11th and the 12th inning last night, and it was fun. Um, Pete Abraham had a, an article this morning. He said, you know, because he felt the same way. He was, you know, he was against it at first, but it's grown on him. Well, it's grown on me, and I, I, I think it might be here to stay. The managers seem to like it. And what Pete said this morning in his article, and he's right, it felt like a shootout in hockey, you know, when they're tied in, in regulation and or after the first overtime and they go to a shootout. That's what this was like, you know. Uh, so Matt Barnes was great, you know, and then Tanner Houck had to come in because, you know, <laughs> they got another game today and they had already run through a bunch of pitchers. So Houck comes on for his first career relief appearance. He starts with a guy in second base. Well, he gives up a double down the line, run scores. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, normally it would be a guy in second base, nobody out, you know, and, and no damage done and you can still work out of the inning. But now he's given up a run because the first guy up gets a hit. You know, the Red Sox managed to tie it up in 11, so, you know, again. But it was fun. And, you know, I think that what it will do, you know, forget, like last night's Red Sox game, it went 12 innings, 
And it was a long game. It was four hours and 25 minutes. But I think a lot of people might be willing to stay up and watch the games if they go to extra innings thinking, well, it's only going to go one more inning. And we have seen more often than not, you know, these extra inning games are one extra inning, sometimes two. The fact that the Red Sox went to the 12th last night, it's unusual since this rule was instituted last year. So, you know, you might see people willing to stay up to see the end of the game when that happens. So uh, I, I, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record in saying I'm okay with this. You know, does that mean that we won't see any more 18-inning games? Probably not. You know, and maybe that's for the best. You know, Major League Baseball said they did it to protect pitchers, but at the same time, one of the things that it has done and one of the things that Major League Baseball needed is to inject some excitement into the game. You know, there's still too many strikeouts. I mean, think about it. Look at this last night. You know, the Tampa Rays struck out 15 Red Sox last night. The Red Sox pitchers struck out 13 Rays. There were 28 strikeouts in this game last night. Right? You know, and uh, we had a situation last year where for the first time in history we had more strikeouts than, than, than uh, hits, or two years ago actually started. You know, and it's, it's, that's the direction that we're going. So anything that they can do to inject some incitement into the game is probably a good thing. So I'm going to – I'm just going to – I changed I change my mind. I'm okay with this one. Um, I'm against – by the way, I've one of the rules that I thought was good, and I've kind of come around on this as well, I liked the three-batter rule where you couldn't – you didn't have these specialist guys, you know, a lefty that would only face one lefty and then leave the game. I've decided I'm not sure I like that either. Uh, especially after the other night when watching Darwins and Hernandez come in and he, he couldn't find the plate with a compass, but they had to leave him in for three batters uh, because he could, you know, because that's the new rule and they couldn't take him out. You know, there are times when a guy comes out of the bullpen and he just doesn't have it and he stinks. And after two batters, if he walks the first two guys, which Hernandez does, you know, not last night but the night before, you got to get him the hell out of there. But with that three-batter rule, you can't anymore. So I've, I've come around on that one. I think that one needs to go. <laughs> but I, I think the extra inning rule, I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. So And, and last night was, was a perfect example of that. You know, normally uh, a team scores a run in extra innings, getting a you – know, not only do you have to get a guy on base, but then you got to get him all the way around. Well, now when you start with a guy, you know, at second, even if the other team scores a run in the top of the inning, you still have a chance. And we saw that last night. Without that – extra runner on you know jd martinez may hit a double and all it does is tie the game uh or, or i mean get him to second base but then you still got to get him in so by having that runner on it really uh it, it injected some incitement so i'm okay with it um one other thing before we go to a break the red sox yesterday unveiled their new uniforms major league baseball is doing a uh, a thing this year they're calling them the uh, uh i think it's the city pride uh, uniforms. Uh, there's going to be seven teams this year that are going to do that. They're going to honor the city uh, that they represent. So the Red Sox break them out yesterday, and suddenly it looks like they're UCLA. It's, you know, they're, you know, like powder blue and yellow. And you're like, what the hell is this? What is this? <laughs> there's no red in these, these city pride uniforms for the Boston Red Sox. Tell me, you know, and everybody's like, well, how does that make sense? Well, let me explain it. 
Uh, the blue and yellow are the colors that stretch across the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And obviously, with what happened with the bombing at the Boston Marathon a number of years ago, that has become part of the identity of that city. The Boston Marathon's always been big. Patriots Day has always been big in Boston, you know, that 11 a.m. game. It's always been huge. But after the bombing, I think it became even more of the city's identity. So one of the things that they wanted to do was uh, honor that. So you have powder blue uniforms uh, or yellow uniforms, excuse me, with the uh, Boston across the front in powder blue. Uh, And there's a patch with the city's area code on it, 617. Um, And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. There'll be white pants. A light blue cap with a with a big B in the middle. Um, I think they look nice. You know, I mean, are they Red Sox colors? I mean, is it what you would traditionally think of? But no, but I no, but I think they're kind of sharp looking. And there's a lot of people that are pissed off about it, but I think they're kind of cool. A lot of people didn't understand why the blue and the yellow. And once it was explained to them, they were like, Ah, I get it. I like them. I like them. Is it something I would wear? Probably not. You know, I'm 60 years old. I don't know that uh, a yellow jersey is what I need to be wearing around. But actually, I don't wear any jerseys, really. I mean, I'll wear a a Red Sox hat. I wear a lot of hats, uh, you know, and I've got, uh, you know, I've got a few, some some memorabilia. But I don't generally wear uh, jerseys anyway. I mean, I know that's a big thing. And maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. But uh, uh, anyway, so they're going to wear these on Patriots Day. Uh, for the 11 o'clock start. Now, the Boston Marathon is not being held this year as normal because of the coronavirus. It's going to be moved. It's been moved to October, but the Red Sox are still going to pay, uh, play their traditional uh, 11 a.m. game on Patriots Day when the marathon would have originally happened. So they will be wearing those uniforms coming up here next week, which I think is cool. But I think they're really, I think they're uh, a great conversation piece, and I think they're going to sell very, very well because of the bright colors. It's 31 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. By the way, if you want to watch the Red Sox game today, it's a 1 o'clock game this afternoon, but it is only on YouTube, not YouTube TV. It is on uh, YouTube. They have a Major League Baseball channel, and they have the exclusive rights to, I think, about a dozen games this year. So it's the only place you can watch it. It won't be on Nesson. So the the uh, local broadcasters are prohibited from doing these games uh, that are being done on uh, YouTube. So 1 o'clock today. By the way, it's going to be – I was thinking about this last night. I mean, that game got over last night close to midnight. So uh, by the time they got back uh, to their uh, homes or their hotels, if you're Tampa, you know, and uh, you get a little bit of sleep and get back to the ballpark, and you're not going to get a lot of rest, but – I don't feel too sorry for them. These guys are making millions of dollars. I said that to my wife last night, and she was like, oh, poor babies. <laughs> so uh, the New York Yankees with a win last night. They beat the Baltimore Orioles 7-2, to two, uh, the second straight day that they have beaten the Orioles. Garrett Cole last night, absolutely masterful. Uh, seven shutout innings, struck out 13, did not walk a batter. I mean, uh, doesn't get much better than that. Um Jay Bruce hit his first home run as a Yankee last night. Aaron Judge had three hits last night, including his second home run of the season. Uh, so a a cakewalk for the Yankees last night. By the way, Cole becomes just the seventh man 
uh, to start a game for the Yankees and have seven shutout innings with 13 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, yeah, yes, they keep track of all this stuff. It's unbelievable. Um, it, it has not happened very often. Uh, the last guy to do it, I believe, was Masahiro Tanaka uh, back in 2017. But uh, it's been a while. I mean, before that, you have to go all the way back to, like, Mike Mussina, uh, Ron Guidry, uh, John Candelaria, of all people. Uh, so it doesn't happen very often, but a, a strong performance by Garrett Cole last night. And now Jamison Tyon will take the hill today. This will be his first appearance uh, since May of 2019 because he's recovering. He was recovering from his second Tommy John surgery. Um, so he will get the start today. John Means will get the start for the Orioles. He is the Orioles' ace. And when he faced the Red Sox uh, on opening day, he allowed just one hit in seven scoreless innings. So it's going to be an interesting matchup today uh, in the Bronx with the Orioles as uh, they try to not drop three in a row after uh, sweeping the series from the Boston Red Sox. By the way, Gary Sanchez got the day off for the Yankees yesterday. Uh, Kyle Higashioka uh, got the start at catcher as uh, Gary Sanchez's numbers are beginning to drop already. Uh, all right, let's switch gears before we we got other baseball stuff to talk about, but uh, there were other sports going on in Boston last night. I was switching channels between the Celtics and the Bruins and the Red Sox. The Bruins come up with a win last night, a much-needed win. They beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4-2 to last night. Patrice Bergeron with a hat trick uh, and reached 900 points in his career. Uh, Brad Marchand with a shorthanded goal, and the Bruins uh, come back to beat the Flyers in the second game of that home and home. And, uh, you know, it was a disappointing overtime loss the night before. So to come back and win this one was huge. And they had to do it with <laughs> essentially their fourth string goalie. Uh, Tuka Rask is still sidelined with the uh, upper body injury. The backup, Yaroslav Halak, is now in COVID 19 protocol. So he is out. Uh, Dan Vladar, who was their third goalie, uh, started the first game on uh, Monday night and uh, made uh, 29 saves. So they didn't want to play him in back-to-back games, so he got the night off. And so they had to play a kid by the name of Jeremy Swayman last night. Jeremy Swayman was unbelievable. Uh, He made 40 saves last night. And, you know, you may have never heard of this kid, but he was a Hobie Baker finalist um, for the best player in college hockey last season. He uh, played at the University of Maine. He was playing in the minors with the Providence Bruins this year, and uh, he was 8-1-1 with a 189 goals against average. So uh, uh, they brought him up uh, with the uh, the issue with uh, Halak, and boy, did he deliver. So uh, the Bruins now will be off until tomorrow night. They will be at Washington tomorrow, and then they will go back to Philadelphia to play the Flyers again on Saturday. This, this schedule this year is kind of weird. You don't. There's not as much travel involved, again, as they try to keep that down in the midst of the the pandemic. I get it. But, man, it just seems like you're playing the same team all the time. It it gets a little weary. We saw saw that last year uh, in all sports, and, you know, we're seeing it a lot this year as well. So uh, I guess, you know, it's just uh, hopefully this is the last uh, we'll see of that. In the NBA last night, the Celtics were just hideous. Now you look at the final score – and they lost by 10, 106-96. to 96. But they seemed disinterested last night, if that, if that makes any sense. 
they're now a game under 500 uh, again. But Joel Embiid, who is coming back from a bruised bone in his left knee, looked like he was all the way back last night. 35 points, including 16 of 20 from the free throw line. He had missed uh, 10 games with an injury. Had six rebounds to go along with the 35 points. Uh, and just, you know, uh, Jason Tatum had 20 points. Jalen Brown had 17. Brown wasn't hardly even involved. I think he took about maybe 10 shots all night. Uh, Robert Williams, their center, got himself in foul trouble early. He ended up spending a lot of time on the bench. Matter of fact, they kind of rolled the dice after he picked up his second foul. They brought him back out. He picked up a quick third. Uh, it was so bad that the Celtics had to bring out the 7-5 guy, Taco Fall, in the first half. You never see that. And early in the third quarter. Um, and uh, the Celtics just looked dead last night. You know, this is a very frustrating team. We see the amount of talent. Now, it is true, you know, they were missing. Um, uh, the Celtics were missing a couple of players last night. Uh, one of them that was out uh, with COVID-19 protocols. He he hasn't tested positive, but it was a kind of the contact tracing thing, so he was unavailable. Uh, you know, so uh, I get it. But, man, this Celtics team, you know, they had just won two in a row, and I said, you know, let's not get too excited about that. They had beaten the Houston Rockets, who are awful. The Houston Rockets, who could probably get beat by Baylor, who just won the NCAA National Championship. And they had beaten a Charlotte Hornets team that was without their top three scorers. You know, everybody was like, ah, they've won two in a row. Oh, here we go. Well, you know, this 76 just said, here, here's a dose of reality. And it certainly was. Um, the Celtics just are not a very good team right now. Uh, Brad Stevens, their head coach, even said, We're, we are very average right now. Uh, you know, and not having Evan Fournier last night, you know, because of the COVID-19 thing, well, you know, did that make a difference? Maybe, but unless he was going to inject life into the other, you know, 10 players that played last night, it wasn't going to make any difference. He just, they just, eh, it's just frustrating. Uh, they play the Knicks tonight. Uh, a Knicks team uh, that is way improved over what they were last year. Uh, and uh, this, is a, this is a game that the Celtics have to have. It's on their home court. It's the Knicks. Yes, the Knicks are better, but it is still a game that is a winnable game. You know, and I'm telling you, this could go completely south in a hurry, and we could find the Boston Celtics not even making the playoffs. That is a realistic possibility right now, folks. They're only a game and a half out of being bounced from the playoffs. Now, there's still plenty of time left, you know, and there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, if they get their act together, they could still be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know how you go from the way they are playing now to being a four seed. I think they're going to be lucky to be a seven seed, you know. And and I'm telling you, it, to me, it would not shock me at all if they don't make the playoffs. If, and if that happens, and, and as much as I, I, I don't agree with it, I could see Brad Stevens getting fired. You know, I hope he doesn't. I'm not, I'm not lobbying for that. I like the guy. I think he's a good coach. You know, I think it's difficult to be a head coach in the NBA and have guys that don't seem like they really want to play and are making millions of dollars and we can make way more money than you are. And at the end of the day, they have to decide whether they want to listen to the head coach or not.
because you're not, you know what? Because you're not going to fire the players. You know, unless they they are out and out, uh, you know, uh, rebelling and refusing to play or something like that. They're not going to move them. You're not going to fire the players, so the coach is going to go. I hope it doesn't happen to Stevens, and I hope the Celtics find a way out of this funk. But, man, I'm worried. And uh, and if you're a Celtics fan, you should be worried too. Um, speaking of COVID protocols, the uh, Washington Nationals baseball team prior to the they're finally playing their they finally played their first game last night after having their entire first series uh, washed out with the uh, New York Mets because of the coronavirus. Uh, prior to their first game against the Braves yesterday, the Nationals uh, put John Lester, Patrick Corbin. Brad Hand, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, Josh Harrison, and Jan Gomes all on the injured list. Um, those are all pretty important players. Brad, Brad Hand is their closer. Lester and Corbin are supposed to be their number four and five starters. Uh, Josh Bell, their first baseman. Josh Harrison. Jan Gomes is their best catcher. And so they had to put them all on the injured list. And they still went out yesterday and beat the Atlanta Braves. How about that? Because Juan Soto, and this, by the, by the way, this surprised me. Juan Soto had his first career walk-off hit last night. We, we've been talking about Juan Soto for the last couple of years, what a special player he is. He's one of the great young players in the game right now. He had never had a walk-off hit until last night uh, when he had a, uh, uh, a uh, go-ahead single in the bottom of the ninth inning. So uh, who knew? So, but they still find a way to beat the Braves. Do you know, and the Braves, who a lot of people have picked to win the National League East, are 0-4. Right now, the Atlanta Braves and the Oakland Athletics are the only two teams in Major League Baseball that have not won a game yet. So, uh, Max Scherzer pitched for the, uh, na- the Nationals last night. It wasn't very good. He gave up four home runs. I mean, the good news was they were all solo home runs. He only gave up five hits, but four of them left the ballpark. Uh, he settled down eventually. He ended up going six innings, only gave up five hits. As I said, four bombs. He struck out nine, did not walk a batter. And uh, fortunately, the uh, the Nationals' bats were able to get back. It was so bad for the Nationals. They had to sign Jonathan Lucroy, who didn't even have a job. Um, and Lucroy got the start last night. He drove in a couple of runs. Uh, so, uh, you know. We'll see what happens today. They have to play a doubleheader today. Uh, Eric Fetty is going to get the start in the first game. Steven Strasburg will start the second for the Nationals. Uh, Atlanta will uh, rebound with Max Fried and uh, Huskar Yanoa uh, in the second game. So as the I would think at one point the Braves will get one of those games and uh, they'll get off the schneid. Uh, and, man, I tell you what, what's happening with the Oakland Athletics right now, they are 0-6. Oh, and six. The last time that a, an athletics team started 0 oh and six, 1916, 105 years ago when they were the Philadelphia Athletics. Uh, so the wheels have come off the bus in Oakland, and we're not even a week into the season. Unbelievable. It's 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Oh, it helps when you push the right button. <laughs> Welcome back to the wake-up call. It's 49 minutes past the hour here on a Wednesday morning. So uh, one of the fun things to do when you know at the start of every season, there's always going to be some guys that jump out and 
have great starts or guys you never heard of. And, you know, it's always fun, excuse me, to see what those guys are doing well. The guy right now, uh, the first couple of days, it was uh, Yerman Mercedes from the Chicago White Sox who started the season 8-for-8, eight eight, right? Uh, matter of fact, had another hit yesterday. He's still hitting through the first, you know, handful of games, the first six games. He's still hitting uh, 565. I mean, it's a little early. But but uh, so he, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, the other guy that uh, everybody is uh, talking about is Akil Badu. Uh, this is a guy that had a home run in each of his first two games, didn't start the game uh last night came in as a pinch runner uh stayed in to play the outfield and then had a walk-off hit last night he with a base hit to write off a Hansel Robles as the uh, Tigers uh came back to beat the Minnesota Twins on Tuesday why is that uh really sweet for him uh because he was Minnesota Twins property Badu was uh, he got picked up by the Tigers as a rule five draft guy uh, he was left unprotected off the 40-man roster. He's only 22 years old. He was picked 74th overall in the draft by the Twins in the second round and had never played above Class A this year, right? I mean, this is a guy. You know, but the thing with a Rule 5 guy, if you select a guy in that Rule 5 draft, the deal is you have to keep him on your roster uh, for the entire season or you have to offer him back to the team where he came from. So, and the look, the Tigers have absolutely nothing to lose. They're not expected to go anywhere this year. So, you know, they said, well, you know, let's take a run at this kid. Well, uh, two home runs and a walk-off. So good for him. Uh, and again, the Twins uh, are now 3-2, and two, and they are tied atop the American League Central with the Detroit Tigers, who are also 3-2. and two. Uh it's not going to last very long, uh, but enjoy it while you can. But, uh, you know, again, uh, but it was a great story. Uh, the Dodgers last night, uh, I talked about the fact the A's are 0-6. Well, you knew they, that was a, a realistic possibility because Clayton Kershaw pitched for the Dodgers last night. Seven shutout innings after getting bombed in the um, the season opener this year. Kershaw backs, bounces back, eight strikeouts, no walks, only gave up four hits, picks up his first win of the season. Uh, Blake Trinan and Kenley Jansen finish it off, and they win it 5-1. to one. Uh, Chris Bassett got the start for Oakland. Uh, pitched a little bit better than his first game, but not much. He gave up nine hits and four runs in six innings. Uh, so the wheels uh, on the bus in Oakland, they're gonna, they need to get AAA out there. Uh, I, I think they're going to bounce back, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I did not expect I did not expect them to win the division this year. Nobody did. Everybody thinks Houston's going to win it. Well, except for me, I still have the Angels. But uh, I did not think the A's would get off to this kind of a horrific start. Uh, good news if you're a Padre fan. It looks like Fernando Tatis is not going to need shoulder surgery. Of course, he dislocated his shoulder on a swing and a miss uh, in a game on Monday. He had an MRI yesterday. There is a slight tear in the labrum. Uh, they have put him on the 10-day injured list, and they don't think surgery is necessary. And they said, look, uh, this is a problem for him. This has been a habitual problem, and it may eventually require surgery. And they said that even if he it happens again this year, it won't put him at any long-term risk. So there's, it's not like... Uh, you know, if it happens again in two months that you're, you're damaging the kid's career, they said this is just it's something that is fixable with surgery. But obviously they would like to avoid that 
try to get him through the season, have the surgery in the offseason, you know, in hopes that, look, this is a team that has a very good chance to make the playoffs. They may not win the National League West because they're still in the same division with the Dodgers, but they've gotten off to a 4-2 and two start. They've got much better pitching. You Darvish pitched last night, uh, only gave up a run in six innings, and Mark Melanson's already picked up three saves this season. They beat the uh, San Francisco Giants yesterday. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that that's the case, that they won't do any damage, but if you're a Padre fan, you've got to feel a hell of a lot better uh, after that news yesterday. Uh, the New York Mets handed the Philadelphia Phillies its first loss of the season last night. The Mets win it 8-4. to Marcus Stroman making his first appearance on the mound in two years. Six innings, three hits, one run. Looked really good. Uh, bullpen for the Mets was shaky. The good news was the bats got going, and they gave them enough of a cushion where they couldn't blow this one. Uh, Pete Alonzo with a home run last night. Dom Smith also with a homer. It was Alonzo's first of the year. He also became the fastest player in Major League Baseball history to get to 70 home runs. N- not that 70 is a, a, uh, you know, any kind of a milestone other than the fact that even you know Mike Trout uh, or whoever, nobody has, uh, has gotten to 70 as fast as Pete Alonzo has. Take, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but Alonzo with a couple of hits, including that home run last night, and the Mets, uh, despite only getting five hits in the game, beat the Phillies and give them their first loss of the season. The Phillies now 4-1 and one on the season. Um, Carlos Correa helped the uh, Astros beat the Angels yesterday. The Angels had taken the first game of that series, but Correa hit a two-run home run in the ninth inning, and uh, they came back to beat the Angels by a final of 4-2. to two. Mike Trout had a homer in the first inning in that one, uh, but Rysel Iglesias gave up the bomb. Uh, to Correa in the top of the ninth inning, and uh, the Astros come back to win this one. Tyler Naquin with two home runs yesterday, uh, and Cincinnati has won four in a row, folks. <laughs> they beat the Pirates yesterday 14-1. to one. You always have to temper uh, that when you realize who they beat. But 14-1, uh, uh, to one, uh, Tyler Naquin, seven runs batted in in the game. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some new music from Darius Rucker. It's called My Masterpiece. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.